0: Welcome to Americanish, where we discuss faith, love, culture, and everything in between. My name's Adela Kochav.
1: And I'm Mariam Waba, and we are the Daughters of Diaspora. Welcome back. This is season two. Uh, we are very, very excited to be hosting the wonderful, the one and only Wheezy with us. Thank I would you. say you're my, you're our first guest, but you're not really a guest. We're actually your guests because this is, this is your. Everybody studio. that
2: has me as a guest on their podcast in yeah. the studio <laughs> says that, and I'm like, I didn't pay for it. Yeah. Like, you guys pay for this, so. But I do feel like people think because they record here that I be on the podcast, which almost was like a way that I thought we would get people in here.
1: Ah. I was like, oh, yeah, we'll just say yeah. Like, Offer yourself as a guest? But no,
2: like, some podcasts aren't good. <laughs> okay. they're not. I hope that's not so, us.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean you're I'm sitting here, here, so. <laughs> well, how are you? How are you doing?
2: Good. I'm excited. I've never done... I feel like a podcast that isn't in my, my realm. Hmm. Like, I feel like most podcasts that I do, like, my listeners may have heard of before, and I don't know if I would have heard of American-ish before, or, like... Yeah, if it wasn't here, so I'm glad it fell on my lap.
1: Well, we're going to jump into everything, and I mean everything. Um, I want to talk about horrible decisions. I want to talk about Fuse TV, Sex Cells. I want to talk about the studio and the decisions okay. you uh, made to, to end up here and the work that you do. Um, but before I get all to, th- to the fun stuff, I want to start with you for a second. Okay,
2: what's not fun about me?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's all going to be fun. Okay. So, Wheezy. Where does that come from? Because obviously that's not your actual legal name. Yeah,
2: my name's Gila, but um, I go by Wheezy because I have asthma. Okay. Oh. <laughs> so.
1: Is that really the story? Yeah, but
2: a lot of people think it's because of Lil Wayne. I was a Lil Wayne fan when I was younger, so I think like people thought it's because I was obsessed with him. But no, I think the mistake I should have put an H in it, like you know when uh, you're wheezing. Like wheezing, wheezing. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. it's just too late. Yeah. <laughs> so. Do
1: you do you still have asthma?
2: Yeah. Okay. Like really bad. Did There's you- an inhaler in the studio, right? There's like Damn. in one of the... Oh,
1: okay. We'll I, if I
2: start fucking somebody, like, it's at their house. Yeah. <laughs> that's how somebody would... Like, if someone was married, let's just say, and their wife came home, they'd be like, oh my God, you're fucking her. Like, that's my stamp.
0: That's in. Actually, inhaler. speaking
2: of Mexico earlier, I get all my inhalers from Mexico because they're only
0: $3. Oh, I get all my medicine from
2: Mexico. Well, don't What's we... Have, I mean, obviously, like, a lot of Americans have to go to Mexico to get medicine, especially for kids and different stuff, like people with life-threatening diseases. I've seen so many documentaries on that, but like, no. Even as someone that has insurance, it's still cheaper.
1: Wow. Hmm. Did, did you get that name because somebody gave it to you or did you give it to yourself? I remember in middle school they used to call me Bigfoot because I wear nice, size 10 shoes. Wow. So they called me Bigfoot. Was that a... I just yeah. looked down. Yeah.
2: <laughs> they don't <laughs> look that big.
1: For um, a girl, I do.
2: I can't remember. Okay. Maybe it was like both. It was like a MySpace thing at first. Um. And it kind of just like stuck. And then, yeah. MySpace. Which is pretty my- lovely. <laughs> I miss MySpace. Yeah. You know,
0: I always wanted a nickname, but my name's Adela, right? So people are like, we could call you Dell, And I'm like, that's not really a thing. They're like, Deli. I'm like, I'm not a meat, But now I see your nickname. Deli is cute. It could be, but it's also a restaurant. Maybe, like, the Jew in me is trying to shy away. Oh, from those, I didn't you know? even think about it. I was thinking D-E-L-L-Y, deli. You know what? Awesome. That's actually cuter. My, my Finsta back in the day when I had a Finsta was Delicious because I thought that was adorable. <laughs> that is cute. Yeah. Actually,
2: I have a friend named Deli. He's African. D E L A. I like hmm.
1: that too.
0: Well, now now I'm I'm
2: rethinking all my uh you know shunning away. I from think the deli D
1: E L L Y is. Yeah.
2: Good. When when you said the food, I didn't even know. What, I was like, what restaurant?
1: Yeah. No, I'm <laughs> I mean, thinking like pickles,
2: like, like rye bread. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like I I was dating this guy once who was like, yo, a deli is like the New York thing. This is how you've made it to greatness. He's like, huh. think about it. You live above your deli. You own the brown store. And like, that's my dream.
1: <laughs> the Yemeni guy at the d- bodega. What the fuck? Oh, that's there. my you said. That's dream what he want. Too.
2: Like yeah. his really?
0: retirement dream. Like even if it's a money pot, is to one day like open like a small restaurant, live on top of it, and have his friends over like for cigars and domino. Ooh. That's what the guy at Lucien does. Yeah, that's that's joy. That's like it when you know nice. you've made it. But
2: Lucien's the shit too. As yeah. much as like it's turned into. What it's turned into. Once like Kanye West is there for yeah. a birthday party, you're fucked. <laughs> yep. But whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. we still yeah.
1: go. We were just talking about gatekeeping, and I was trying to gatekeep. Should I gatekeep it? Uh, I'll I'll tell the people about it. the Queen. Have you ever heard of the Queen's Night Market?
2: No. Okay. No, it's so out it's, of the bag. He was
1: me, it's over now. It? Smorg smorg Smorgasburg, And I was telling him like that's whack. Like that's so. Where's the
2: Queen's Night Market?
1: In Queens. <laughs> Lushing? Yeah, yeah.
2: Oh yeah, I have heard of it.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. We should check it out.
2: Wait. Y'all check is, it
1: the, is it all Chinese food? No no it's all like different cuisines so they have like, Oh no
2: I'd be cuisines. down to go yeah
1: Yeah they have you don't like Chinese No foods? I'm saying yeah I'm no? down to go
2: <laughs> I just thought it was all Chinese food No
1: no no and don't. I was like I just
2: want one restaurant I'm done
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah it would be weird if they had a food festival of all the same kind of food That's
2: what they I'd do be don't be they, down down. they do that in little
0: Italy and
1: Yeah they oh. do that in little Italy they do it on like all the streets Yeah there's <laughs> Street, just center
0: of it I know like there's
2: a few cuisines that I could live off of Chinese no but Japanese yes mm-hmm. um you could give me what else I'm thinking probably Jamaican food Mexican maybe Caribbean food not just Jamaican, mexican food yeah. yeah
0: i was just talking to someone about mexican food and they're like so what is mexican food and i start like you know describing it i'm like well you have chilaquiles you have enchiladas you have like enfricoladas And like the more i'm describing it i realize it's the same three ingredients yeah, yeah. different presentations <laughs> no mexican food is but everyone is amazing no it's, it's shape. tortilla cheese and sauce and Basic. It's like how are you doing it but <laughs> it's, it's like, good it's so good it's like are you putting like the cheese inside the tortilla are you frying the tortilla and putting the cheese on top of it with the sauce like have you been to bajul in mexico city no i it's number one they say it's the greatest restaurant in the whole wide world. If you haven't been to Pujol, you should definitely Pujol. go. amazing. Yeah, This impossible to get a reservation.
2: So I made one, like, months before Man. and when and I'm not going to lie, when we got there, it was so funny because, like, I think it's 300 per person. I don't know yeah, how much it's, it is. It's well, expensive. And yeah. uh, Mexico City has a lot of Michelin-star restaurants, right? So, like, that's – there was way better food I had. But when we were getting – like, sitting there, we were eating, and my ex and I were sitting there, and he was like, we really eat Mexican food for three hundred dollars. I'm like we're about to leave some of this shit here. Like we gotta eat it. He's like, I didn't think they was gonna bring fucking tortillas over here. I was like, yo, I didn't either. Like I thought they were gonna elevate this shit. No. He was like, I'm pissed. Then they brought up some ten year mole or whatever, like, Ooh. and
0: that's amazing. It
2: was okay. No, it was probably amazing. I don't want to hear it. But no, I'm mean, gonna <laughs> just be honest with you. Like I don't, I don't like when people class up Mexican food too much. Mm-hmm. I really don't yeah. like. I like a real Mexican restaurant, now you
0: got the napkin over your arm and shit. Like, stop.
1: Yeah, some cuisines don't need to be luxurious. No,
0: it just yeah. doesn't. Like, number one, if anyone here is in Mexico City, you go to La Muertita, which, as a Jewish person, I'm really happy about it. It's your typical, like... Because I had a yes stand on the side of the road where literally it's on the side of the road. You park, you eat it standing up. Um, there's paper napkins, every all the sauces everywhere. But they realize that there's Jewish Mexicans, which a lot of people don't realize. I was so, shocked at that too. Yeah, even though they're I non- saw a
2: synagogue, I was so
0: confused. Yeah, yo, again, I'll give you a tour of the Jewish. I
2: was like, maybe Mexico. they, maybe white people <laughs> migrated. <laughs>
0: No, we we've got Mexican Jews, but um, these these non-Jewish Mexicans who have their tortilla and quesadilla stand realize that there's Jewish Mexicans, so they started buying kosher cheese. And other the most successful like quesadilla stop in Mexico City, it's constantly there's cars lined up because it's the only place that the Jews can go. So <laughs> corner wow. of the market. Damn.
2: Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, my dad was kosher. I feel like until my mom just stopped caring. Like after a while, she'd be like, "I'm put macaroni and cheese on the plate. Fuck (laughs) it. Like, what are we gonna do?" But like, seriously, like being kosher when you haven't grown up that way is hard. Like, my mom really struggled with different forks and knives and like getting certain food. Like, I felt bad for her. But did uh,
1: you keep kosher at any point in your life? I gave up right around
2: once I could drive. My first piece of pork Hmm. was a McDonald's, like a
1: what's the sandwich? McRib.
2: No, the, the breakfast.
1: Egg McMuffin. McMuffin? Oh,
2: yeah, but I'm allergic to eggs, so it's just a McMuffin with, like, sausage. You're allergic to eggs? (laughs) Yeah. But when I had that sausage McMuffin, I remember being in the car like,
0: this is what I've been missing. (laughs) Holy shit. Okay, Snoop Dogg just made a Beyond Donut sandwich with Beyond Sausage. It's not the same. It's okay, though. Uh -uh. (laughs) So I hear. Like, uh, honestly, it's just not the same. But it's kind of like masturbation. Like,
2: you're going to (laughs) come, but it's not sex. So, like, that's what... Pork and beyond is to me like, oh, I'll be okay, but I'm uh, not. It's not this. I wouldn't know yet. <laughs> but a lot. Experience. Oh, my dad. So I didn't think about it once, and we were in the car, and I was like, maybe he won't know this, because my dad just very aloof. And I ordered a sausage McMuffin, mm-hmm. then he asked the lady, is it pork? I was like 16. I've never seen my dad get angry. He, like, almost pulled it out of my mouth. He looked like he was going to cry, and I felt so bad. Now, do I still eat it? Yes, but not in front of him.
1: Okay. Or, At least okay, that's, you that's know. a little bit of respect. Okay. But Mm-hmm. I want to I wanna shift gears to uh, studio, WTF Media Studios. Can mm-hmm. you tell us about how this started, decisions you've made so far? You guys have had um, amazing success from all the things that I can see. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me a little bit about it.
2: So WTF started in the pandemic. Um, one of my best friends and I, who is also a really talented director and videographer, his name's Alex, he also works in podcasting, and he was the first person to bring video to my podcast. Um, actually my co-host fired him because his price got too high and, uh, we got into a whole thing about that, but him and I stayed friends. And then during the pandemic, I think we were on the beach smoking weed, chilling, and he was saying something like, yo, I got approved for like a PPP loan. like, I don't, I don't know what I would do with it, if I would use it or whatever. We were both talking about all this money that people are giving out. And then it was just like, boom, oh my God, let's make a podcast studio, right? Talking shit. We would do so well. Oh, would we? Uh. So a month later, I went to another podcast studio that um, I recorded a really big episode on, and the audio was so fucked up, Ooh. and they wrote me an email, and they said, and I'll never forget, don't worry, the next time you recommend someone to us, because this is how many people, like, because horrible decisions would go or whatever, um, we won't use the same engineer, and I was like, that was the sorry? Like, I was shocked, like... I mean, as someone that, sometimes they would give us free hours for the most part that we would pay. But, like, I was so insulted. And I was like, yo, like, this cannot be my craft to the point that every time I walk in here and someone's black, they know me. Or they found this place through me. Like, mm. I can't do this anymore mm-hmm. if someone's not going to fuck with me. Like, I got to make my own shit. So, when we made it, um, I mean, Alex, you know, and I really didn't know who we were going to hire. But I did know that, like, I really wanted black people to work there. Particularly because... It's so special. Probably, like, how you feel when you meet, like, a Jewish person that's helping you with any service. Like, you're like, oh, shit. Like, you're, you're kinfolk, right? Yeah. And uh, I see the way my dad reacts when he, like, sees Israeli people. Like, oh, I'll never forget Rush Hour when Chris... Was it Chris Tucker? Yeah. And he was like, can I have the kosher meal? Gefilte fish? And my dad was like, oh, I love him. <laughs> he was like, this is the best. But that's how I feel. So I was like, I want people to come in and, like, feel like they see their reflection, right? And for me you know as a black podcaster like i didn't really feel like i was getting as far as i could because we were a black show Mm -hmm. and so anyone that really has put a big check in my hand like was someone black and i just felt like i had to do the same like i i just didn't felt feel like it could be right you know what i'm saying like all the podcast studios in new york like if there's gonna be mainly black people here like why would i skip around you know, to a resume that just happened to be from someone that wouldn't reflect the people that are in here. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure someone white will get hired here at some point. I don't know who it's going to be, but they got to be really woke. <laughs> like, I feel like they got to come in with Black Lives Matter tattooed on their chest. But I bet you if a white person starts working here, it's probably going to be a guy, and he's probably going to have a black wife. I don't know why. I just feel like, <laughs> you need a black girl co-sign, and, it's like, and we're like, oh, we'll take okay, okay. you. Okay. Know Interview them both. It's a package
0: deal. It's a <laughs> Right?
2: Has. I don't know why. I feel like Sometimes white girls, not my white girlfriends, but many get very insulted when you talk shit about white people, but all my white friends don't give a fuck Mm because we all do this shit together. You know what I mean? Like, and we get it. We know which ones we're talking about, but I don't know. I feel like maybe they'd be more sensitive and I just feel like it's going to be this Bushwick white guy who's like probably going to see Wolf's hair and be like, oh my God, dude, I've been trying to do the same thing. (laughs) I want to lock my hair up too. Like, I don't (laughs) fucking know. I just feel like it'll be that person.
1: Okay.
0: But we do need one. Like, all right. It, I mean, do ask. <laughs> applications are open. Well, Anybody it, listening. What
2: if I got a Jew? Ju- that would be the best. Oh, if I got a Jewish Jew-
0: guy. Oh, my God. Uh, if okay. you need Jewish guys, I have a list. Do you, <laughs> you want a list of Jewish men. But your list is very different than what it's she's looking It's very different, for. but they're all very qualified in other ways. I feel like if we had a Jewish
2: person working here. Oh, my God. The books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, what do you mean? We, we're not giving free water anymore. What? They cut water outside? <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, like, you guys do give
0: some nice free water. I'll I have but, to say. I don't know if you have a sponsorship deal, but this this bottle. Okay, is.
2: hold on. Not yet. Oh, is that why there's water in here? Is that why we have a call with them? Oh,
0: okay. I'll pull it away. I'll pull it uh, away. We can cut that out.
2: I got to taste it. <laughs> but we have been paying, so.
0: Oh, shit. Ooh. Thank you.
2: Everybody talks about that on Google. They're like, they give water bottles. But yeah, I think that when you have like, a, I don't know. I try to think of when I go into a business, like, the things that I like, and that's what I try to do. I hate when someone gives me those fucking cups that are, like, like a cone the with cone water. cups.
1: Ugh. So paper cone cups. At the dentist office? What the car.
2: fuck is this? They taste like paper.
0: <laughs> Have you heard of boxed water? Yeah. It tastes like paper.
2: I'm not going to lie. One of my like favorite like- comedians on Instagram, um, his name is Drewski, and he did this skit where he goes to a Starbucks, and he was, like, trying to act like an L.A. girl. And he goes, do you guys have boxed water? And the guy's like, no, we have. He was like, ew, ew. <laughs> no, I need a box <laughs> water. I was like, wow. People really act like that in L.A. about box water. Yeah. Apparently so. I kind of like the taste. I don't like.
1: Are you taste. down in L.A. often because of Half and everything? half. Oh, half and half. Mm-hmm. Ooh, how do you like it down there? Because you're a New Yorker, right?
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm from Florida, but.
1: Okay. So wait, let's get
0: into who is Wheezy. You're yeah. from Florida. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you, now you're a New Yorker. You did the reverse migration. It's <laughs> fucking embarrassing to somebody oh, yeah. from Florida. It's really
2: embarrassing. Like, I don't even know why. So I was born in San Fran, and then we moved to Miami, probably because my dad was like, okay, there's a lot of Jews there. But then it was too expensive, so we moved to Orlando. And then um, I just hated Florida because I felt like, so for one, my parents, if you see them, and I'll give you guys, I don't know how much editing you do, you can put a picture of them up. My mom and my dad together, it's like what's going on. Sometimes people are like, is that his nurse? Like, what's this <laughs> black lady doing around? Like, it's confusing as fuck. And they've been together a long time, and his accent is so thick, and like my mom's very New York, so she yells at him a lot. So it's like, oh, is she mistreating him? Like, it's weird. <laughs> we were literally in a Target the other day, and he was like, oh, Jewel, get me the toothpaste. Ah, I have it I already. Have it. <laughs> Shut up. And they're like really mean to each other, but they're like they love each other. Um, but no, when I was growing up, I just noticed how racially tense things felt all the time. Mm -hmm. And one, being a black person anywhere in the country, of course, but Florida, I mean, people have, no lie, like... They're some of the least traveled people, right? You've got lower IQs, terrible public schools, so you're just fucked if it's a black and white couple. Mm. And then they're looking at me like, ooh, is that your real dad? Like, what's going on? Your mom's a gold digger just because she was with a white guy, let alone a Jewish guy. But my dad wasn't the rich Jewish guy, which made it worse.
0: Yeah, if you're (laughs) going to do it, at least do it right.
2: We were just (laughs) totally middle class, and I hated it. All my Jewish friends were so rich. I'm like, we're the poor ones. Like, (laughs) It was so bad. Um, but because of all of that, I was like, oh, I'm like, this is not where I'm meant to live. Like okay. I have to move to New York. And my parents were both New Yorkers.
1: But, uh,
2: yeah, then that's really where New York like became a destination in my head.
1: And how young or old were you when you,
2: I was 24, I think. Um, but it's interesting. Cause like, <coughs> I remember the first week in New York, someone asked my ethnicity and when I would say black and Israeli in Florida, they're like, is that black in Hebrew? Like, what does that mm. mean? You know, in New York, like, they didn't even bat an eye. Okay. Like, no one's impressed. No one's, like, (laughs) thinking it's weird. It's just, like, okay. Because they've seen people in their lives. Right. And I just did not have that experience in Florida. It really sucked. And then Trump was becoming president at the time that, like, I had moved to New York. So it was really nice to be around people that just were, like, not on that team. Hmm. Um, Whereas, you know, in Florida, and it's funny because New Yorkers that voted for Trump voted for money. In Florida, they're like, we want slavery back. Like, it was crazy as fuck, dude. Like, my mom, I was scared for her to be outside with my dad, you know, because wow. it was just a very weird time. But New Yorkers did not experience that because it's just a different world. So, yeah, the South is nuts.
1: I I mean, so I'm not from here. I, I, we talked before. And I've traveled across the United States, but not as much as I would have liked to or would like to in the future. Um, so I don't really understand America in that way. Like, I don't know what the South is. Like, I've been to Texas, I've been to New Orleans, I've been to Florida, but usually they're short work trips. And when people tell me stories like that, I'm really interested and baffled, because all I know is New York. And I know it's really wrong of me. But I I think of America as like a mass coherent block that is New York. And that seems very wrong.
2: It's it's interesting, too, because like, so I'm mixed, right? And I'm light skinned. And when I talk to my black friends here and tell them about moments in high school where I was called the N-word, and I'm not talking about cool N-word and, and rap, like Hardy R, ER. My black friends in New York have never been called it. And I'm just like, how the fuck does that happen to me? <laughs> like, sometimes people are confused that I'm black, and you tell me they still did that? Like, yeah, I think that we're just really fortunate to live in a city where, you know, of course racism is everywhere, but, like, you know, we're growing up around different cultures. This is a quote-unquote melting pot, but, like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of small cities in the country where that just doesn't happen. And, and unfortunately, that's where we see, you know, certain shootings and certain things go on. Because it's just like, it's this undertone all the time. Yeah. And I think that's also probably why, like, I remember when, I don't know which one of you hit me up to come on. I was like, oh, like, I don't really have too much of an Israeli experience. I, You know, I mean, it's really the opposite for me because I grew up like a black American girl. Mm-hmm. There's moments where I forgot sometimes until... There'll be like rabbis in the street. You know, they will be trying to get you. (laughs) Yeah. Are you Jewish?
0: Oh, they they could see it from a mile away.
2: (laughs) Woo. And it's not even my nose. I don't know what it (laughs) is. You have asthma.
0: You literally told us this. Are you lactose intolerant? No,
2: I mean, I don't have like the Jewish nose. (laughs) Yeah, neither do I. But But they still know. know. What, asthma's a Jewish thing? Eh,
0: yeah, we have bad immune systems. Oh,
2: right? okay. I didn't, I
0: didn't know that either, honestly. Yeah, Fuck. yeah, Jews, we have allergies, we have asthma. Not all of us. Fuck! Babies, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can thank your dad for that one. But
2: you know what, though? This guy I started dating recently, he was like, yo, it makes so much sense that you're black and Israeli and you look like you do. He's like, because you look Egyptian to me, and ah. Egyptians are like the black Middle Eastern people, I guess, to like in a lot of people's heads. He's like, so to me, that's where that look is, but... When I went to Israel and I saw my cousins I was like oh wow like I didn't realize how dark Israelis were like I was like some of them look like me like I didn't feel so out of place and a lot of uh, black Jews are there because they're Ethiopian so yeah I mean I had a whole new experience definitely when I went to Israel too I
1: mean how black Jews are and how white Jews are not white as in um ethnically but like color like color. same, same yeah. for Egyptians they're my mom my mo- I had this really funny friend in high school. She saw my mom for the first time. She's like, why is your mom white? Because my mom is just really pale. And, you know, we're from Egypt, so you'd think she was a little bit more like olive or closer to my skin tone. But the the uh, diversity of looks and skin colors in the region really varies on where you are. Well, yeah. we were talking before about, like,
0: 23 Me, where I'm 92.6% Middle East, North Africa. And I was like, Where? Like I don't see it, and it's just crazy how like where where you think about all like, from visual. your spit, yeah, there it is. <laughs> but also, my mom, for example, my mom is blonde hair, blue eyed. Both of her sisters are dark, straight from Lebanon. Like mm. you look at them and you're like, you are straight from Lebanon. And then you look at my mom, and they have similar features, right? Like similar like eye shapes, similar like, but they're just different colors. They're like a you, you know, know in like my Barbies head what that is. You know, it's like the same mold, but people
2: different. call the Kardashians like white women, mm-hmm. and I'm like, but they are. But they are- but then they aren't. Mm-hmm. And that's really, like, the Middle Eastern, like, quote-unquote difference from, like, color and shade. Because when you watch Shots of Sunset, I feel like I'm wanting, watching a Middle Eastern, like, sh- I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah, they are. But then when I see the Kardashians, but also maybe they just change themselves.
0: Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I don't think the Kardashians, like, like, I feel like if you take your nails and you just scratch, like, there'll be some color. Their <laughs> so it's like, it's Shit. a matter okay. of what are they wearing that day, you know? <laughs> no, I mean, like, remember are.
2: Kim's eyebrows. The way her face looked, she she was like Princess Jasmine to me, which also something apparently that's problematic to say. Yeah, but no. It's okay. But she does have that look. She had.
1: They're they're Armenian. Yeah, they're they're Armenian,
0: Armenian. They're Armenian. So they're definitely Middle Eastern. Um and actually Armenians I like when I was watching like the Kardashians, I was like, "Oh, they kind of look like my aunts." Like in my head. Um which is very funny. So in like another thing, like just like talking about like colorism, right? And like, you know, just seeing people's color. When people got my mom and her sisters, My mom happens to be born in Canada, right? Because my family went through Canada to get to Mexico. And my aunts were born in Mexico. But they were literally born, like, you know, regular years apart from each other. It's the same two parents and everything. And they're Mm. like, oh, well, your mom's Canadian. That's why. (laughs) It's like that makes no difference. I mean, it's it's interesting, too, because it's like when you think of
2: your family and, like, the different colors, like, all in your family. Like, my... family pictures look (laughs) nut like it's very confusing yeah like uh my my dad is in his 80s my mom's in her 70s right so like already you see me and i'm young but everybody else looks old but like why there no kids in there but why is there a baby there like everybody looks fucked up like we all have our own fucked up version of our family i swear but like i i I know what you you mean like i watch certain tv shows i'm like they look like this person they look like that person but yeah i mean i guess it's kind of cool to have a blend
1: Hmm. yeah yeah speaking of fucked Let's talk about horrible decisions <laughs> and uh, sex sells, right, mm-hmm. uh, on Fuse. Can you just – this is a very uh, – you probably don't think about it because it's just your life. This is very unconventional career choice. Um, yeah, I know. Tell tell us, <laughs> like, how you ended up there and why and how you're navigating it.
2: So um, when I moved to New York, it was to – I was working for a company at the time, like a telecommunications company. And I was like well, – they loved me, so I'm like, great, move me here. So I worked as like an account executive slash sales engineer for, um, for them. And in the middle of it, I was kind of bored. I was like, you know, wanting. And I was having all these excapades, right? Because I moved to New York, and I'm like the new girl on Tinder. Um, and I ran into an old friend of mine who my co-host now, Mandy. We hadn't met in years. And she was working for Goldman Sachs. And I'm like, oh, my God, we're like whores. But, the Goldman Sachs. But, like, we, you know, we still have good jobs. Oh, the Goldman Sachs, right? The Goldman Sachs. That's why he wasn't the Jewish girl working there. <laughs> so <laughs> we uh, we're like, we should do a podcast. So it started as two corporate women talking about sex. And to me, I think it got so popular because the only other black sex podcast at the time was Lip Service with Angela Yee, who's from The Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. No one's heard of Angela Yee. But um she's so famous that I think like Angela Yee to me is like radio hall of she is radio hall of fame not to me sorry but she's so larger than life that like you know she's an interviewer so she's not necessarily being like yeah I fucked this guy and did xyz maybe she does do stuff like that but we won't hear her talk about it and I think it was that you got to see normal people because she was already a celebrity when she made the show and i think that's really what kind of got it pop in. and then no, being known as a sex personality um during the pandemic i was like oh my god i'm gonna be broke because we were on tour and like i'm about to lose hundreds of thousands of dollars so we're fucked so i moved to mexico oh. and ah,
0: the i started american way
2: <laughs> <laughs> i started uh, gentrification i started uh working on something else that had to do with sex and so i made sex sells with a friend of mine and I remember, w- I was talking to Forbes, actually Forbes got it in my head, Forbes hit me up to host a show, uh, interviewing people that left the sex industry, and they were going to call it Sexit,
0: uh-huh.
2: and I was like, this, <laughs> so this is great, but this is going to make me look bad, because I can't be on one platform talking mm-hmm. about how sex is amazing, but then interviewing you about why you left, because it's going to look like I'm glorifying the way out, mm-hmm. so I can't do that, so then my friend at Fuse and I, his name's Brandon, he was like, fuck that, like. Let's just make our own. We'll ta- We'll celebrate the business of sex and the legal sex industry. And so that's what Sex Sales says now. Um, I don't know if Fuse knows I know this, but I heard it was the most watched show on the network, which I will take it. They put me on the elevator there. It felt like a fucking billboard. Like, oh, I'm so excited about that. I was crying. I was in there, like, uh, just doing studio work. No one told me I was on there. Apparently it had been months. I just walked by it, and I was like, is that my face? Now, are there 15 other faces on it? Yes. But... It felt really good, and like, I want to say this without like sounding so, uh, this feels very snooty to say. but Be
0: snooty, we love people. And Wolf was in the
2: car, he was sleeping, <laughs> and um, the woman that manages our studio, her name's Tiana, but she's also my assistant. And we're in the car, Wolf's in the back, my best friend's in the back, Wolf's doing our video. Um, my best friend is our tour manager, his name's Vinny. And we're on the way to this, the Roots Picnic, which is a huge black music festival. And I was like, holy shit, I'm about to perform at this. I just left yesterday doing the last rap day of my season two for my TV show. But I'm about to go and do this music festival for my podcast. And I just left my apartment in LA and then stopped at my apartment in New York. And like, I had to keep myself from crying. Meanwhile, my assistant and I are talking and making jokes about stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, all these people I work with, like, I really love. And I know everybody hates their job, but, like, fuck, I feel <laughs> bad to be so happy. And, like, yeah, I can't believe this all happened from, like, being good at sex. Okay, <laughs> hold on,
1: hold on. Let's. My father did
2: not want this for me, I'm sure, <laughs> but I, he's proud.
1: That's a question I have, but you felt bad for feeling happy. Can we dig into that a al- little? We're all about, you know, yeah. about our emotions, yeah.
2: I think that, like, there's little things in my life that sound so snooty, like, I didn't know how to explain when people say, where do I live? Like, I really do live both places, right? Like, I really I have two rents. Do I want to buy? Yeah, but the market's crazy. But anyway, like, yeah, I really do have two places that I live. And I split time in between. And um, I have two studios now. We have a studio in L.A. It's in Hollywood. Like, and everyone that works here, I love them. Like, I just feel really lucky. And I just, I, I mean, yes, I know I work hard. But the, the guilt, I think, comes from sometimes, like, you know, you're like, do I deserve this? Like, I think everybody that gets blessings in life might feel like that. But, yeah, I don't know. It just, like, really hit me hard. Yeah. And it was just the the reality of it. Because, like, I've really been broke. So I was just kind of
0: like, whoa. Yeah. The only thing you're missing is a bodega or a restaurant that you're <laughs> Yeah, <office> up next.
2: <laughs> that Then you'll make Honestly, it I might meet someone it. that owns one. That's mine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I, I really wanted to dig into that because that's a feeling I get all the time. And... I feel so lucky and blessed. And we talk about this all the, all the time. Like I come from literally nothing. Like my village still does not have running water. I, I was supposed wow. to be like I, I grew up. I wasn't supposed to go to school. I barely knew how to read and write. I was supposed to be married off like every other Arab girl. My grandmas don't know how to read and write because they never went to school. They were married off at 12. Hmm. And now I get to sit here with you on a couch and we talk about this stuff. And Yo, I get to our go to a lives our are so
0: weird.
2: Like it just. God is real. But you know what? That's like the internet, though. You got so much access to shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you, you Like, everybody is just a touch away.
0: Yeah. You
2: know what I'm saying? Like, I think that, like, sometimes when I have conversations with people, too, and I think maybe that's what's different from me. Maybe sometimes from either you'll meet maybe a peer just a person out, and you're like, oh, this could be different. And I'm sure you ladies think this way, too, obviously, because you have a podcast, right? But I was sitting with, like, someone. I was in the Netflix building. And... They were like pointing at a house that was really far in the hills and they're like that's probably like 20 million dollars like damn one could dream and i was like
1: mm,
2: like i don't really you like, could dream <laughs> like i'm not saying i have 20 million dollars but i was like i remember when i thought a million dollars was a lot and like now i'm just like is it really
1: mm.
2: like you know is 20 million that fucking crazy like i don't know like i don't know what i'll end up having i didn't fucking think i'd have this so I can't even say that that won't happen to me. So there's like nothing that really feels that crazy out of reach. Yeah. And I think as long as we think like that, you know, and, and at first it starts in steps because no, maybe five years ago, I didn't think that would happen. I, I could afford that house for or I mean, obviously, I can't now, but you know, what I'm saying five years ago it was like, I can't believe I'm working with this person. Then it became I can't believe this is my job then it was like I can't believe I got hired on to do this or this person recognized me like it happens in steps and I believe that's like all of our trajectory when you really have that type of mindset
1: yeah and the opposite side of that coin is uh like not feeling you deserve the things you have and I'm trying to lean into this a little bit more recently is I can do anything and like to a fault almost like uh the the, the way I found you and I told this over the phone is I, i'm a big fan of flagrant too and uh-huh. i'm a big fan of andrew schultz and he just his rise to success and and his fame and he has this like little monologue he does when he did when his uh he did a last show um at radio city hall he's like oh you in i wasn't there unfortunately i couldn't get tickets but um he has this monologue where he's just like if you say the craziest thing that you want to happen just say it out loud because your brain starts to find a way that goal Mm -hmm. just say it out loud that's crazy as it sounds and i just started saying crazy stuff like Mm -hmm. things that don't make sense things that seem unachievable and so far away and like i i have a funny joke that i do with my friends i it's a little bit of a joke but 90 percent true like i come from nothing i wasn't supposed to have any of the things that i have right now so what's stopping me like if i wanted to be the best nfl football player tomorrow i could figure it out i could do it and it's a little bit absurd
2: you sound like andrew with the heart surgery have you ever heard andrew say that i hate when he says that
1: Well, it's not that hard yeah i can figure it out i i could i think i could figure out whatever i want to do i just i don't want to be if i did i could figure it out yes i think you have
0: a point actually i went for um um an interview for an internship a couple of months ago and i'm sitting there and you know i'm interviewing and he's like well where do you see yourself you know five ten years from now and i sat down so i'm I'm a paper planner person. So I pulled out my That's paper good. planner. And I said, well, I actually have a 30-year plan. And I start walking him through it. And of course, it ends with, and after you know taking time off, I'm going to write my book, go on my book tour <laughs> to do soft campaigning, and then I'm going to run for Senate. And he goes, OK, uh, you know this is an internship. <laughs> and I was like, yes, but you asked. And yes, I know it's all ambitious, but I think it's important to have goals, especially goals that are yeah. far away. Because if not, then what are you working towards? Yeah. Because I could tell you where I think I'm going to be five years from now, but that's not very interesting. Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know where I thought I'd be, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, I really don't. I, I work for a really big movie director now, hmm. and that's why I'm half, I'm half in L.A. And, like, it's crazy because once I made the studio, my, like, mindset changed. Um, and I think with Alex, too. Like, he got really emotional with me recently. Damn, was it? Maybe it was you, Wolf. I think you randomly sent a text message. Or someone randomly sent a text about how they loved working with us. And was that you? And it was really random. We were, me and him were out having a drink together. And he, like, he did start to cry. And he was like, yo, like, we can never stop doing this because people are paying their rent with us. <laughs> like, we can't. This means every move we make, like, it has to be good because they have to grow. Because this is what we owe people now. So this is what happens to us. So, like, this is our job now. Our job is to like do what people did for us. Yeah. So now my brain works like that, right? So ever since I've started working for his name's Kenya Barris, and people know him for making Blackish and Grownish. And ever since I started working for him, I've found ways in my head to hire everyone else. Now that I'm in a hiring position in another world, like that's just all I can think about. So I don't really know my thirty-year plan. I feel like <laughs> all I want to do is just keep building a team because things are falling in my lap so as long as I just keep everyone else growing like that's it like that really makes me feel good and not in an egotistical way more than I almost feel like it's like a duty now Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying So
1: selfless in fact but but
2: I don't even know if it is all the way because it's like I feel like someone did this for me so like now it's my job but I'm still growing because like if he wasn't good you wouldn't be here right if you had a bad session with him the first time you wouldn't come back so, like, I, that's not really selfless. Like, I really got to, like, lean on him and be good because I kind of need the money. So, <laughs> you guys are paying for my LA apartment probably. <laughs> I have to be good. This is selfless. What is it?
0: <laughs> so I hear echoes of two people right now. I hear echoes number one of my grandpa because he, he also, like, when he started hiring people for his company because he started also from nothing, he was selling um, scraps of textiles door to door. And then he started going in, in Mexico, because that's how it is. And then when he became an employer and he started employing other people to sell textiles, that's when he said, We're not just responsible for us and our family, we're responsible for everyone else. And that's what I'm hearing there, which um, not that you're a grandfather, but welcome to being a grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: thing.
0: mean, I've been called daddy before. Yeah, oh Uh-oh. well is that <laughs> granddaddy? <laughs> no. That'll be a first. I hope not. Um, (laughs) I hope not either. But second, I I feel like I hear that a lot also from my mom because she says that her greatest success is us. So like my mom wasn't able to go to college right after high school. My mom got engaged at 17, right? But she had four children, and her goal when she told me when I was 12 years old was, "You're gonna go to college and you're gonna work. And yes, you'll you can get married, you can have whatever you want and everything. But you have to make sure that you have these opportunities." You have to go to school and you have to learn. And of course, we can talk about education inflation, and that's a whole entire thing. But it's one of those things that my mom looks at all of her kids: my brother, me, my sister. Got into Princeton that day. My mom cried and she she has a very happy accent. She started historically crying. She goes, "My daughter goes to an Ivy League," and I was <laughs> like, "Yep, yep." So that's my mom crazy. feels like she's a Princeton mom. Honestly,
2: when I meet people that have been to a Princeton or Harvard, like to me, that's like whoa.
0: You can like, meet my sister. She's uh 19. She's really fun.
2: No, <laughs> uh, seriously though, like you have to think about how like on the high like upper echelon that is. I was sitting next to, I felt guilty, but not guilty. I felt uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I didn't want to validate what these other people were thinking. But I was in an airport lounge with this young black girl who just got a FaceTime, and her they were screaming about her getting into Harvard. Oh wow! Right, and I could hear it. And um, everybody else at the bar is, like, not young. They're, like, old white people. Like, maybe it's 60s old. And the way they all looked at her, like, they had to know more. And I was so excited about it. So I feel like now we're all hyping it up, needing to know the questions. But there's two things happening here. Well, I'm looking at this girl, like, I'm feeling so proud. And, oh, my God, like, I don't even know you. But it just feels like you're looking at a little sister. And, yeah, it's crazy to see a black person going to Harvard. That's not very common. Then on the other side, it was just like, ah. Like, I figured you out while you're sitting here. And then someone else said, what about your parents? Did they go there, too? Like, oh. oh like, are you a legacy? And then one woman said, you're so tall. Is your dad an athlete? No. I was like, oh. This was months ago, too. And I'll never forget that girl's <laughs> face. And she was like, I have to go to the bathroom. And she never came back. And I was like, oh, my God, bro. But for real, like, your mom, I, I can't imagine if that happened to me with one of my kids. I don't think that's going to happen at all. <laughs> I think that I'm going to have two kids. One's going to be dumb. One's going to be okay. (laughs) No. I really think that's going to happen. I think I'm going to let one. It's going to be like Montessori
0: school. He's just going to figure it out. And then hey, I went to Montessori school When I was very very young And then when I went to college I went to build your own major program So Montessori stays with you And it leads to success I'm a very big proponent Of the Montessori What is it So you just do nothing what No you don't do nothing Well I mean When, when you're little kids Well we should tell people powers. What it is Because some yeah, people I Never have heard of no it. it Montessori is the idea That um, not everyone learns In the same way so, so
2: wait let me You tell us the real definition
0: <laughs> I don't know the real definition <laughs> So no, I'm going to tell you What I
2: thought I heard Montessori school about.
0: Okay I was walking
2: around With one of my friends In Silver Lake like, and we're passing the Shakespeare Bridge, and there's this school. And he was like, Yo, you know what that is? That's a fucking Montessori school. I was like, What is that? He's like, That's what they go in there, and they can do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. And you know that's some white people shit. <laughs> I was like, And yeah, that's some white people shit. I was like, So they don't learn anything? They just go in there, kids wanna fuck around, they just fuck around. And I was like, Yo, I was like, So how do they learn? How do they learn how to count and shit? Like, how does this shit exist? He's like, I don't know. They probably follow the pack, but it's two motherfuckers in there, they ain't doing shit. And I was like,
0: Yo, but then I Google it, and it pretty much says that. Yeah yeah it's so is there no teacher no so there is a teacher but it's less of a teacher and more of a guide okay. again i went i went to montessori preschool crazy. i was a child and i was in mexico so it's not a white people thing it could also be brown people all all people come shocked me i was about to say was this in mexico <laughs> yeah this was in mexico so i went to montessori school when i was very very young and it's again I, I don't know how it works in preschool but it's more like they let us play in whatever way we wanted to play But then when I went to college, I went to NYU Gallatin. And Gallatin is literally the, they call it Build-A-Bear. It's a build-your-own-major school. So I was studying Middle Eastern politics, and then I was also doing Latin American studies and Judaic studies and law and society, and I was doing all these different things. And um, I, I wanted to add a third minor, and they're like, you can't have a third minor. I'm like, I want a third minor. They're like, you can't even really have two... You can't have three. And I was like, then I'm going to go and build my own major. And I did. And at Gallatin, you have like um, a professor that's like your guide. He's like your advisor. And they open all of NYU schools to you. And you pick and choose the classes that make sense for your individualized major. So I studied diaspora structures. What does it mean to be part of a community that's here but elsewhere? Uh, what is identity? I studied migration patterns. So I got to take Portuguese, Arabic, and Hebrew. I wow. got everything that was interesting to me. And then I got to do an oral colloquium about what I learned and the major I created, which is essentially Montessori. So, a lot of kids, yeah, they're going to take advantage Bill of it. Bill Gates
2: his. went to one. Really? Uh huh. Oh, look at that. I, can I Googled that. it. I was like, this shit ain't real. You were
0: really into yeah. this.
2: Yo, we were sitting there for 15 minutes. <laughs> like, uh, so in LA, you know, you see the Scientology buildings a lot? Yeah. I, that's what I felt like we were watching. I was like, oh, shit, they coming out. The kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I thought the kids were going to look like. Like, no, but it was crazy to me. So, wait,
0: the teacher's a guide. Yeah. So, how do you pass so i know that there's older montessori schools i went to preschool so as long as you're not eating glue you pass preschool (laughs) so i'm not really sure again with me it was i was maybe four years old and all i remember was having fun um i was enjoying what i was doing beat to my own drum you know so
2: i got into a really deep conversation about montessori schools that was interesting so i start repeating that conversation about being out with that guy at dinner that night she's like well if we take it back for a second let's think about how we treat black kids and what we congratulate them for. If black kids are sitting upright and they don't talk and their hands are on their lap the whole time, what do we say? You've got a great kid, right? She's like, but do you, do you have a really good kid if they're so submissive and scared to do anything? Like, are they too subordinate? And are we raising black people to be scared of shit, right? Like, and it was a great point. She's like, when I go out with my white friends, like, you know, maybe their kids play and explore a little bit. She's like, they're not rowdy and out of control, but my son would never do that. He doesn't even think he could leave the table to play with crayons. Cause he's like, I'll wait till my mom tells me, which in my head too, I'm like, that's a great mom. But she's like, that really isn't, you know, the best thing for kids. Like, are we like so scared and like, te- like are black people scared themselves and teaching our kids how to be subordinate? Like, this is a part of like almost critical race theory in a way. Like, are we like teaching kids how to just stay alive by doing that? Because we're so terrified. And, um, I was like, yo, if there was a black Montessori school, like, how would it go? Because seriously, like, a black teacher is gonna fucking lose it if you don't lose like, it. <laughs> I can't even imagine what it would be like. But I mean, no, like, there is a joke in the white people shit. But also, like, when she said that to me, it was so interesting mm. because black Americans are so fucking different with their kids because you have so much to worry about. I mean, we're almost like training them to be scared constantly. You know what I'm saying? Not that you shouldn't be scared because, you know, police are shooting on armed black men but and women. But, like, yeah, it's all we see. It's, like, you know, in our face. Yeah. So it's, like, you you want to make sure your kids are this type of way. And it's crazy because how, what is the right way to parent?
0: So the funny thing is, like, people always be like, you know, like, Latina moms be like and Arab moms be like and Jewish moms be like. And I got a Jewish Latina Arab mom (laughs) so she'd just be like uh and and that was you know my my mom's way of parenting when I was younger was very different from her parenting now so like I I compare like the way my brother and I grew up we were both born in Mexico to the way that my two sisters who are Gen Z U.S. borns grew up and like for example like my brother and I did not talk back if we didn't finish our food my mom would take a belt and you know she would Felt us to the table and we would finish our food. And if you didn't finish it, you'd have it for breakfast. And that's fine. Damn. Yes not in a child abuse way everything's wonderful <laughs> everything's great no um, like
2: i have some friends that they they had to go through some shit like that too with yeah. eating for breakfast yeah
0: 100 percent. and then my youngest sister my mom would be like you have to go to sleep and she'd be like no yeah. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> like my brother and i have had conversations where we're like did, did you hear that yeah did oh my you God. hear what she said there was no such thing as that and now the, the issue is that now my mom like she loses her patience because before she had patience with me and my brother we would never talked back but if we did she'd have patience so now my sister talks back and then my mom just yells back and they go into a whole back and forth we talked about how's your this- mom she's she's 48 so your mom's
2: probably going through menopause <laughs> while you're no lie yeah. that's what made my mom so like she apologized to me all the time my mom is an amazing mom but we were fighting a lot and <laughs> when i was a teenager and we talk about it now, and she's like, I would never recommend anyone have kids older because you have no patience because you're going through fucking menopause. Oh, sure. It's so hard for older moms. Like, it's a blessing you could have kids in your 40s and your late 30s, great. But the menopause and puberty, boop. I don't know how old your
0: sister is. Yeah, she's 15. I'm telling yeah. you, it's bad. It's not good. Mm-hmm. It, they're screaming. But it's, it's differences in parenting. Because for my sister, she's allowed to do whatever she wants. And then she also feels like she has less control of things, as opposed to like, I was very structured. And like I wanted to study science, like I wanted to study forensic psychology, and my mom said no. She didn't give me a lot of limits. Like she told me, go to college, but not outside of New York, right? Like <laughs> I had some limits, but I was allowed to explore. My other youngest sister, like my mom's, like yeah, maybe she should apply to schools in California. I mean, and look, like, you what? went, you
2: went to Princeton, so <laughs>
0: no, yeah, not that one.
2: I, I, I went on a few dates with this Nigerian guy who's a chemical engineer, and he's like, "Do you have siblings?" I said, "No," and he told me about his siblings. One's a doctor, one's a lawyer. I was like, "Damn, your mom must be so proud." He was like, "It ain't like we had a fucking option, okay?" <laughs> she was like, "We are gonna do this, this, yeah. and this. Yeah, yeah. This is it." So like, it's a new era, but I ain't gonna lie, we probably should be grateful. My mom definitely fucked up. That's probably what <laughs> I was.
1: How do they feel about what you do?
2: Um, I so I didn't really understand how proud my mom was of me until a recent moment. Um, my dad calls me Dr. Ruth. Oh, my daughter, she Dr. Ruth. Everybody listening, <laughs> talk about this sex. He's like so proud of me. Like, he's just so proud. That's a great Israeli accent.
1: Is it? Yeah. Oh, thank you.
2: That's what he sounds like. Every time he calls me, it's your father. (laughs)
1: Like, you don't know who he
2: is. I hate it. But, and this is so morbid to think about, but like, I just lost my grandmother. And so I think about when our parents die, like, what we'll have of them, what we'll remember. And a lot of my friends are older, so their parents are dying. It's sad. But, I think about that. I'm like, I'm gonna have so many voicemails. My father saying, Gila, it's your dad," and I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna like play him on a loop." Like, it's so interesting how Israeli accents, like, woof. But um, so he always calls me Dr. Ruth. My mom and I went to, I think it's called Eddie V's in Orlando. We went to eat somewhere, and there's this girl from school that I always wanted to be like. She was white, really rich, and like. I don't know if I wanted to be like her. She was like the cool girl in school. I say I wanted to be like her, but I feel like that's what all kids want, right? You're jealous of someone in school. And we sat next to her mother, who recognized us, of course. I was only, whatever. Anyway, she's like, oh, you're Gila, you're you're Jewel, and she remembered. And she said, you know, I don't want to say the girl's name, but she's like, you know, she's a doctor now. And we're just so proud. And what do you do? And I was about to say, I I work in production, because that's what I do when I just don't want to talk. And my mom was like, okay, that's good. Like, your doctor daughter. She goes, Gila talks about sex. And she's got this big show. And she has a TV show. And she owns a studio. Oh, and she's in New York. And everybody knows her. And she walks down the street. And everybody knows her. I mean, you know, if we went to a, a place downtown, we would people would t- ask us for pictures. And that's what's going on <laughs> with her. But it's good to hear about your daughter. <laughs> oh,
0: shit. <Mama laughs> and I was like,
2: hot. wow. Like, God bless. It was really nice because, to me, my mom... I would imagine it's not that easy to say your doctor talk talks about sex for a living. But I think there was a point where it became real. My job became real, right? Like, oh, you do this podcast, but now it's a fucking job for real, right? Like, And I think when your parents start to see your dreams and your passions as, like, actual money makers, they're like, okay, clicked. And I know it's got to be hard for some people that are, like, you know, influencers who are making TikToks and all these kids that are making hundreds of thousands of dollars, your mom's probably like, what the fuck are you going to do at 25? Like... You're 18 now doing dances, but then what? Or musicians, like, I can't imagine creatives trying to convince a parent that, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, this is for me. Because I became an entertainer at 25 years old. So I had already, you know, done corporate life and kind of got that seal of approval from my parents. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I can't imagine because it does feel good to know my parents are proud. Wow. Wow. My, really moving. Yeah, you guys should have your moms on, your, on the show. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> my mom doesn't do mom know episode. what I do at all. Like, f- real-time job, like oh, 9 to thing. 5. That the, They don't know anything about me. And I wonder if like that's a part of... I, I mean, I'm an immigrant, so there's like a, a big disconnect between... Say radio. And, uh, but that's this a, isn't even my job. We just do this for fun. This for fun. <laughs> like, yeah, but like... Real my jobs. mom and would
0: just say, my daughter fights anti-Semitism. She yeah, can't and
1: that's... Fun. Yeah. But... um. Okay, I have so many things we need to get back to. Um, do you want to have children? Because, mm-hmm. okay, tell us about that.
2: I do want to give birth to my own mm-hmm. child just because I feel like that's a, uh, um, a milestone, which I know some people don't believe in artificial dissemination, whatever, but I don't know. Um, I will say I'm 31, 35 is coming soon. If I'm not in a relationship where I think I'll have kids by then, I'm definitely going to have a kid with my best friend, Vinny. So, don't care how that happens. I mean, well, definitely, I mean, but I don't care. I don't want to have sex with them, but I mean, like, don't care, like, how is in, like, you know, I don't know where we'll live or what'll go on. I'm really cool with whatever, but, yeah, I've always wanted to be a mom, um, and I don't know. I I feel like I'm trying to slow down my life a little bit so that I could plant the seeds to where that does work, like, my studio should be a full production house in five years, right? Mm-hmm. Like, nobody that's working here today should even be making close to the same because I feel like everybody should be full-time and a salary that they're happy with. Like, that's what I want. You know what I mean? I want you to watch a TV show or listen to something or see on the bottom of every big podcast, like, pro- produced by WTF Media. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I want. And... Um, here goes selfishness again. If I do that, I ain't really got work to do <laughs> <laughs> So I've talked about all this stick sucking for years to lay down the seeds. But yeah, that's what I want. I want to kind of just like slow down podcasting and be able to produce them
1: hmm. so that I can have a kid. So I'm a pretty like conservative person. lower s- lowercase C. Like I feel very ashamed and it might be the immigrant in me. Like I feel very like e- even this is very promiscuous for me, like what I'm wearing right now. And you, you seem like such an open person. Like, was there ever a moment where you were closed off and then you're at this very freeing moment or have you always been this way?
2: No, I, I think, uh, I have to give it to my mom, right? So my dad is definitely a conservative person, but my mom, um, so if anyone knows about San Francisco, it's like all the gays are there and I don't really have a connection to San Francisco. I left when I was like five, but you know, my mom is, I don't know if it's a very problematic term, the, the F word, right? Hag, that hag. Oh, yeah. People call my mom a hag all the time. Like, all her friends were gay men when I was growing up. Mm. Like, like, I had a godfather, and he was a drag queen. Like, all of her friends were gay, right? So, just seeing that had me open to sexuality and understanding it. Mm. And then also being bi, being able to explore that young. Like, my first kiss was a girl, things like that. And, like, knowing it was okay, you kind of feel this freedom. Yeah. Like, I don't really feel... I mean, I know I've said fuck a lot probably more than you may say on this podcast, right? But, like, for me, I don't really have a – not a filter more than I have – I don't really care. Mm -hmm. If I've, like, decided to be in a space where people understand I'm there, then I'm going to talk however I want. Mm -hmm. And that's been the cool thing about being wheezy more than Gila, right? It's like, oh, if I'm sitting down next to someone in a restaurant, maybe I won't talk this openly and free. But, like, if someone understands who I am, don't give a fuck. So now that I – have a nine to five again right work i run a podcast division for kenya barris and it's through audible so i'm on calls all the time with amazon audible running this shit like doing all these deals and it's funny because like my email is wheezy at his company right and i don't give a fuck on the calls at all like when i was working for the other places for eight years like i was definitely more tidy. but now but I'm my like, voice dude yeah. like you can google me and see like literally i'm talking about going down on a girl and all this crazy shit so like why do i care about trying to like be this person that i'm really not yeah you know and that's what i love about at least the industry i'm in now even with having employees right like being able to admit that like i fuck up with things or forgetting to pay (laughs) like no lie we don't have like a payroll system so i have to use like electronic payment which means that after they invoice me on payday that i have to immediately answer and pay you might be forgetting. I feel terrible that someone has to ask me for money because that's not a good feeling. Hey, can you pay me? And I try to make sure everybody understands this open door and that I'm learning too. But like, all of those little mistakes are kind of like real things about learning how to be this person. And through that, I think it's just being open, like mm-hmm. knowing that I can be open and honest about who I am. Like, yeah, I think I have always been this way.
1: Are are Weezy and Gila two different people?
2: No, I think it's just like an extension.
1: Yeah. Do you, do you code switch when you're Gila versus Weezy? Are there any separations?
2: I think I code switch sometimes. Um, like, it's funny. I've seen comments where people are like, oh, she's got a black set on here. Now she sounds like X, Y, Z here. But, like, there's a few different things that happen. I think this is my natural speaking voice, but whatever. But, like, if I get really hood for a moment... It's just because I'm around someone that either takes me back to a place of where I'm from, right? Florida's ghetto as fuck. So my co-host and I are both from Florida. So when we get together, it's like, are we even speaking English? <laughs> we sound like Kodak Black. <laughs> like, it gets intense. But it's not that it's fake. More than this is really like a point in my life and it's a place I can go to, right? It's kind of like when um, when I'm with Sophia, my, I get another octave sometimes.
0: Oh, it's my like, God. <laughs> I I hate to bring academics into this, but I did a whole linguistic anthropology project on Upspeak. What? yeah tell me about that on An up speak and vocal fry um so there's there's actually a lot of reasons behind them and i don't want to get too academic but this is what going to a montessori like no this is interesting is like um so up speak is like when you end things almost like questions and the reason why yeah. is women typically weren't listened to so instead they end with a question that way you feel like there's something else coming up next and it keeps other people on their toes yeah. and then we have vocal fry which is the opposite when you want to command a room you lower your voice and you start talking like this because it's closer to what a man sounds like what oh, the shit. fuck yeah and i was in the sorority so i actually used my sorority as my guide so i realized when are they up speaking and when are they vocal frying and it was the executive board when they were trying to relay information to the greater group i can't wait to fucking repeat this on horrible oh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm yeah i swear to god I'm there sorry. it is that's what, what happens when you take an academic put her in a sorority and next thing you know you've got a this Greek is colleague.
2: why you need friends <laughs> <with> smart people <laughs> yo but no lie like i don't know
0: if we adapt on purpose or accent matching it's a thing it is weird so my my little sisters make fun of me and my brother because we accent match i guess we we grew up right we were born in mexico we all speak spanish but my brother and i definitely speak way more spanish than they do and especially to my mom Mm -hmm. right so and my mom has a super heavy accent and sometimes like we'll be talking to someone or like a waiter or like anything and like my sisters will just like start laughing at me and my brother and they're like when they're like why are you talking like this? And we're like, what? And we don't even realize we accent match. Like, I'll get to, like, you know, I don't know, like a cap or something. I'll be like, can you please take me uptown? And, like, I
2: don't even realize I'm doing it. Oh, I literally wanted to kill my mother. And we were, where the fuck were we? She came to my apartment that's been getting renovated for months, and the guy was doing something. And she goes, who's Mexican? She goes, can you fix the light?
0: (laughs) (laughs) match this, oh, this is part of linguistics this is so fucking
2: racist
0: I know but oh, I've been doing uh, no. it too
2: <laughs> yeah. yo Vinny gets on me all the time because I'm like if we go to a restaurant where there's a busboy I'm like
0: okay please <laughs> 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 it's yeah. natural it's actually a natural thing yeah. because you want to be Which understood makes me the way you go so bad
2: because all I do is
0: drag white people
2: to <laughs> death when they're like cis and home me and they do this
0: Mm-mm thing uh-oh. with me
2: Oh, not that trick. I hate that shit and maybe not, you know what? It's it's like, I don't know. But some people do it to me, and it's like oh, I hate that so much. Okay, girl, and I'm like, oh. it doesn't work when I do it, so I don't even try. No, no
0: I, I know, I stay away. But
2: you know what? Though you don't have to. Like, I think I, I don't like to speak for all black people. but I could do it on this one. Everybody feels way more comfortable when you're just yourself. Mm. And I joke a lot. You probably maybe even heard on episodes we joke about having white guests. I think the only reason people have enjoyed our white guests is because they don't try. Andrew, Leah McSweeney, Sophia Franklin—like those white people—are not giving a fuck that you're in this quote-unquote black-owned studio, black podcast. Like, all of that just goes away for them because they're like, "I'm just really like I'm gonna be who the fuck I am," and I actually really love that about Andrew too. Like, what did he say to me one time? I was with um one of my friends, uh his name is Sharonis Jackson. Jackson. Uh, he's a black actor. He's on Insecure. He's known for Insecure. And it's me, him, and another black dude, and Andrew, in a diner. And we started saying something. I think one of us said, nigga. And Andrew goes, all right, all right, all right. I, don't, I don't want to do black talk anymore. Like, I'm, I'm out of it now. Like, he was done with it? Like, fuck. Now you guys are leaving me out. But I mean, he didn't need to jump in and try. He just gonna kind of stood lesser. All right, whatever, dude. So anyway, and like, that to me, when white people, like, don't give a fuck. Because really, we try to assimilate. Really? And white people try to do it as though, oh,
0: pretty. please.
2: So we don't care how much rap you know. Just shut I up. Don't <laughs> care
0: much. How much rap? Right? You
2: know. But, like, we had on a uh, Hannah Berner, who I love, and he's uh, her, her, her husband says to me, Des Bishop, which I really like him, too, he goes, oh, I'm, I'm so excited. Black people love me. I, you know, everybody, every time tell you I'm a good rapper? I'm like, don't fucking
1: say No, he didn't say that. that. Yes,
2: but he really was, like, he's also leaning in because he knows how awkward and uncomfortable <laughs> it is. I'm like, I don't feel like it's going to cross the woke girls that listen to me, bro. But I get it. Like, it really gets weird, and, like, yeah, I don't know. I never really thought about it with accent matching with, like, myself. But I guess that's what white people have been doing to me for a while.
0: Yeah, you've been accent matched.
2: Shit.
1: I, okay, but here's the double edge, the other side of the sword, whatever. The other side, other of, side of the, of the coin. coin is I, so I grew up in Ridgewood, Queens, and I had moved, we, when we moved from Egypt, that's where I grew up, and it was a lot of Puerto Ricans, Egyptians, And Koreans. I didn't
2: know there was a lot of Egyptians. Yeah,
1: there's a big Coptic church there. There's a lot of Egyptians everywhere. Okay. Don't know them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We assimilate pretty well. But um, I don't know. And then I went to high school in like the most diverse place, the most diverse high school in New York where whites were the minority. It was Albanians, Arabs, um, Latinos, and we all like became each other in a way, like the melting pot thing where we, we talked like each other. So uh, they would make fun of the Arabs. We'd make fun of the Puerto Ricans. The Puerto Ricans would make fun of us. And it was a very safe space. But now I feel like if you try to do that, it, or if you try to explain what that is, even like I'm doing it very poorly now, it might come off as, like, cringe or racist or bad. There's a
2: happy medium, and I don't really know how to explain it yet. Yeah. But it's almost like certain comics, right? Mm. When you're doing something for, like, a, what's the factor called? Shock factor, like, it gets weird and awkward. Yeah. Which is why I really like Joe Rogan's comics, like... Because, like, him forcing someone to say it, or, like, even him on stage, like, there's a clip of Joe Rogan saying nigger, like, ten times. Like, boom, 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 just trying to get you to react. Like, that's not funny. It's weird, right? But, like, also, we could talk about Andrew. Like, people have wrote me, like, black women, like, can't believe you're friends with this guy. And I'm not going to front. Like, some of his jokes, I'll be like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I'm so uncomfortable, and I don't know what to do. But I think that we will get to a point where we can make fun of each other again.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
2: Like, it hasn't happened yet because we are in a weird time. Like, you know, for example, when Trump got elected and there was a Muslim ban, you just really can't make Muslim jokes right now. We <laughs> can't fuck with Mexicans right now. That's just what it is. After George Floyd, everybody needs a break. So we need to recycle, what, like, who's sensitive oh, or not. not like a wheel, like, who's okay. on top now. You know what I mean? That makes sense. Yeah. That's why, like, having a little bit of a Karen joke here and there, as much as it's funny or white people may feel the heat, like, everyone kind of needs it because, yeah. you know, they feel like they've been the butt of a joke or something like that, like, and I think, like, it, it, there there is a sensitivity because we're all becoming so awake to the things that are happening, right? So, like, no, it's not easy to hear jokes about certain people, but also, like, I feel like we all have, like, our team where we can do that, like, my white friends that make black jokes of me, like, I feel like they, they're, I'm the safe space where they can do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, we went to a restaurant, went to this place called Gigi's on Sycamore. It's a really fancy French restaurant, and, um, there was a chicken on the menu that was $70 with truffle on it. I was like, damn, like I want to get it, but like, I can't. (laughs) I was the only black person at the table and there's sea bass and albacore and all the duck. And I was like, please don't let me get the chicken. And my friend was like, fuck you. Like I'll just fucking do it, dude. Like it's not that serious. Like when you tell me you don't want to order the watermelon margarita either. (laughs) I was like, I don't, but I want it. She ordered my food and we're laughing about it. And like, I was like, yo, it's a real fucking thing where you don't want to be that person. And we're able to joke about it. And, like, uh, there was a table across from us that we n- noticed their reaction. She was like, oh, my God. Mm. I have to go over there and explain now that I have a black friend and that we're in on the joke together because now I look like the racist bitch. <laughs> and I was like, it's true. Like, you really can only do this in your, in your box. Yeah. Other than that, No.
0: Well, I mean, I know, for example, like when this episode comes out, people are going to be like, "Wow, you're talking about Jews having allergies and Jews being good with money," and the yeah. just sits. <laughs> Get there. the fuck she out of here, bro. to fight anti-Semitism, but she but you can Jews do it. You're Jewish, yo. Yeah, that's you, you
2: like can't sh- make black jokes without black people in the room. Oh, that's I, I, just a fact, I right? Care. I don't make Jewish <laughs> jokes unless I guess I'll be doing them right. So Mandy, <laughs> were you in the room <laughs> when Mandy said I'm cheap, just like she would expect. I was like, Mandy. And she was like, but you're here.
0: Yeah, she says it to your face. No, I yeah. also think it's important to have to laugh about ourselves. right? Also, like, there's. I make more Jew jokes at my table. You have to. Yeah. Than any, like, it's just, it's a constant thing. And sometimes, like, I remember, like, if I have, like, non-Jewish friends that are coming over, I have to be, like, tell my brother, like, hey, like, comment on the gay jokes. You yeah.
2: can't do that. Yo, you have to. When you want to make a gay joke, they got to be in the room, right? Like, you got to make sure someone's laughing with you. And also, I think there's a few different things about stereotypes. There are stereotypes that are really harmful and hurtful, right? I.e., I I think one easy one, black people being violent, black men particularly, right? Like, that's a very, like, no, right? Because we know it's not true. Um, And with the, I would say, chicken thing, like, to me, obviously, we laughing about it, it's funny, but, like, I found out that that was, like, the only food that slaves were eating at the time, or even with, like, frying food and things like that because they had to just... Upcycle. Yeah, Black people had to fry everything because some of the meat was bad. So, like, there's obviously a place where we get it from. But, like, even with the Jew and cheap thing, like, Mandy or Alex jokes with me all the time, who I own a business with, right? Right. He wants to get new cameras. He just did. You see, I didn't realize it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you walked nice in here. I walked
2: in here. He this new? Him. Oh, my God. I was like, no, everybody's going to book. It doesn't fucking matter. We're not raising the prices, but there's new cameras. Like, what the fuck we got to do this for? So he was like, oh, my God, you're so Jewish. All we got going to do <laughs> is, like, sell the old cameras. We'll only spend a few more thousand. I'm like, no, figure out a way to get the new income. We're not going to buy the cameras unless we get a big fucking gig. And we did. And that's the only reason there's some <laughs> new cameras in here. But seriously, like... That shit really propelled my life in a great way. Mm. Like My dad, I'm sorry, it's true. My dad was so cheap. When he had to buy me a fucking computer for school, I remember we walked into Apple and I was so excited to have a MacBook. And he goes, ah, you give a free case? And they're like, no, there's a line out of the fucking door. Like, why do we need to give you a free case? Ah." And he made me go get a Dell. And I was crying. I was like, but you were going to spend the money. He was like, they don't want to do anything for you. Why do you do anything for them? You go to Best Buy, they deal, they make a deal. No.
0: Like such an Israel, <laughs> like the bartering system. It's the shuk. This is how we grew up. Yeah. No, but so the funny thing is, like even like the the Jews as cheap stereotype. That's really like a European Jew thing, because um, mm-hmm. you know, Middle Eastern Jews. Uh, I, I said Arab Jews, and I got yelled at. Are they stereotype. the rich ones? Uh, it's not even about rich or not rich. We have like, for example, Persians. They have a concept of like tarofing, where it's like the check comes and they fight over who gets to pay. They're like, oh, I will pay, and they're like, I will pay, and it's like, like everyone just fights over who gets to pay. Can curb your tax. enthusiasm of Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then like it, yeah. same thing, like my grandpa, like. We're we're not Persian. We're Syrian Lebanese, but we also tarot. Like literally, like if you see, like if I go out with my grandparents and they see like one of like their friends or like one of my aunt's friends or like it's just someone that they know and they say hi to outside, they'll like talk to the and be like, pay their bill. They're like, oh, they yeah. already told us to pay your bill. And it's like, oh,
2: Tarofing?
0: Yeah. Tarofing. That's that's so a person. That's what
2: we're not even men. Yeah, Tarofing. Yeah.
0: yeah, you need you need you need man. Oh no yeah. no no! <laughs> I, uh, yeah. yeah, I do that's a, a fake very Arab thing. I, I love
2: Arab. to do this. When the check comes.
0: Yeah, just like look for nothing. Thank you. (laughs) you. You're so sweet. Well, I will say, so I always open the bag because my brother went on a date once. And again, like we're very like, hate to say it, like I come from a Hispanic Jewish Arab background. Right. So we are very patriarchal in some ways where my brother is going to pay for whatever date he goes on. Right. So he went on a date with this girl and he was going to pay anyway. And he said, as soon as the check came, she pulled out her lipstick and goes, thank you. And then just started putting it on. And he was like, I'm going to pay anyway, but this is sucky. (laughs) Like, he said, like, that moment, like, he's like, you're not even going to do the fake out. Like, you opened your bag to take out your lipstick to apply it while I pay. And he did not like that. But it's fine. I, the fake I,
2: out. I, I will say, now, I've noticed, like, I won't do the fake reach if, one, they make the reservation and invite me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And two, if they've, like, established some sort of, some men like you to yeah. understand they're doing this, like that they're taking you, or if they mention that they're taking me, or thank you for coming out with me, if they say something like that to me, then I won't do the fake reach. Hmm. But um, I'll be faking it most of the time.
0: <laughs> I mean, and I have split. Um, and it, When, it, when, when you split, doesn't it is? just dry you right up? Yes and no, but I, I always offer an incentive, especially because when I was younger, for example, when I graduated from college, I was dating guys who were around college age, which was out of my comfort zone. I usually w- date older. I usually date like five, six, seven years older. And then when I would go on dates when I was 22 with another guy who's 22 who's in his first job out of college, it's like, am I really expecting him to be paying for me? So the first couple of times, it wasn't even a fake out. It was like a offer to split until we were established. And even once we were established, we'd split here and there. Mine's the opposite. Really? I don't
2: split until like... I'm no. I'm seeing you again.
0: Oh no, no. Oh, once really? once we're yeah. seeing each other seriously, like once he's my boyfriend, I'm still gonna do the fake out, and it's still fully genuine. If you're listening right now, but for and the men, part, I think yeah. b-
2: believe that. Like I've heard men say, like, oh no, like we should both be paying and, let, and, and like I'm gonna do this for someone that's my girlfriend. Like I feel like you're courting me in the beginning. Also, yeah. I have the I I've seen the jokes so many times. This is the worst part. Po- like we podcasters love talking about this.
1: This is like, is this a thing? yes about paying huh. about paying oh but they never splitting about the bill
2: first date splitting. splitting no they didn't talk about that <laughs> that's that was the best one but um what did you teach me about the vocal frying like psh,
0: vocal frying up speak best shit i've heard ever yeah, look yeah. i can't i
2: need to put it in my phone like right now to talk about tomorrow
0: yeah there it is oh <laughs> That's so cool. I'm going to be talking about it. We I only know. split. <laughs>
2: no, no, you. i going to steal it. Uh, I'm just
0: uh, kidding. Don't <laughs> 100%. I will give you my recent. <laughs> I
2: heard it from, uh, anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this person. I, I read it. I read it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I only split if I don't want to see them again. Like this. Yes. Me too. Do you, Okay, because, uh, like, you pay for the first one, second one. I, I'm only going so I can pay so I feel like I don't owe you anything.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. This was amazing. I know I learned a ton, not only about you, but about the world of podcasting. So on behalf of me and Mariam, thank you for joining us. And join us again for the next episode of Americanish. See you
1: soon. Bye.